If you're looking to celebrate the holiday season in a meaningful way, consider revisiting the story of the first Christmas. In the newest edition of his book called Why the Nativity, Dr. David Jeremiah looks in close detail at the people and events surrounding that special day. The book and brand new docudrama are yours when you support Turning Point this month with a gift of $60 or more. If you give $100 or more, you'll also receive the correlating CD album and study guide. Donate today at davidjeremiah.ca. Building vital character qualities like integrity into your life isn't easy. It's a journey often filled with tests and trials. Overcoming them is how you grow. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his look at integrity and shares tools to help you on your journey as you grow in this important area. Listen now as David introduces the conclusion of his message, A Life of Integrity. And thank you so much for joining us today. You know, when you say the word integrity, sometimes it causes you to just suck in your breath for a moment. And because all of us know that's a big deal. It's a big, important part of life. And nobody wants to have a life without integrity. And we're learning um, what it means to live a life beyond amazing and discovering that it is possible to live such a life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to finish up our discussion of a life of integrity as we continue to move forward in the concluding days of this series, A Life Beyond Amazing. Let me just mention to you that while our special resource for this month is the book Why the Nativity, which is being featured all across the country as this movie is uh, coming out that we've been telling you about, you can also get the book from which this particular series uh, originated, A Life Beyond Amazing, at our website. Just go to davidjeremiah.org, and uh, you'll find it there, and you can order it from the website if you want to have that. Don't mean to make this complicated. We just want to make sure we get as many resources to you as we can, and we thank you so much for your support of this ministry. When you send your gift during the month of November, we'll send you the beautiful special edition of Why the Nativity that is a brand-new cover and inside are 25 pictures from the set of Why the Nativity, the docudrama that is going to be released in just a few days. This is yours for a gift of any amount to Turning Point. When you ask for this resource, we'll send it to you right away. So thanks again for your help and giving us the opportunity to bless you in return. Let's get started with part two of A Life of Integrity. Many years ago, I heard a Southern preacher give this word of wisdom about integrity. Here's what he said. Be who you is, not what you ain't. Because if you ain't what you is, then you is what you ain't. (laughs) To live with integrity, you have to conduct yourself in an authentic way. You don't posture. You aren't one way today, and you don't change because of the circumstances in which you find yourself. Philippians 1.10 says to all of us, be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Do you know what the word sincere means? Listen to this. It comes from a Latin word which means without wax. That's a strange thing. It originated in the marketplace. It originated in ancient Rome. If anyone wanted an authentic statue of fine quality carved by someone who took pride in his workmanship, They would venture to the artisan's marketplace in the quad in Rome and look for booths bearing a sign, sine sera, or without wax. You see, there were many merchants 
who would take broken figurines, broken pieces of pottery, and they would repair the crack with wax and paint over the wax, and it would not be visible to the normal visual eye. It would only become visible when the figurine was set in the sun and the wax would melt, and then you would realize you had a defective product. So the term became sine sera, without wax, which meant this is a product of integrity. This is a real, no flaw, no cover-up, no shady deal opportunity for you to get what you think you're getting. So they would find these signs that had the word sine sera over them, And we need to have those words over us. We need to be men and women of integrity so that there aren't hidden flaws and hidden agendas, but we are authentic and genuine. I have to honestly tell you that of all the questions people ask about me to my family and my friends, this is at the top of the list. They tell me about this. What is Dr. Jeremiah really like at home? What is he like with his children? What is he like with his wife? What is he like backstage before he walks out to speak? And what they're asking is this. Is he a man of integrity? I don't know that there's any goal in my life that is higher than that one. That I become the same person, whether I'm at home or here. In fact, if I'm a different person at home and that person isn't the right person, I have no right to be here. My life ought to be what it is from the core. What I do on Sunday is just a part of my life, but it isn't a different life with a different set of standards. It's the same life that demands from me the same level of integrity that being a father and a husband has always demanded of me as well. I pray that the answers that people give to that question can be positive. I don't claim to be perfect, and I know I have a lot of flaws, but I care deeply about being a man of integrity, and I pray that you have that same concern for your own life. John Wesley was once asked by a woman what he would do if he knew that at midnight, the next night, he would die. He thought about it for a minute, and then he said, well, I'd do just what I intended to do. I'd preach at Gloucester this evening at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning, and then I'd ride to Tewksbury and preach in the p.m., and I'd meet the societies after the meeting, and I'd go to Martin's, who invited me over for entertainment, and I would retire at 10 o'clock. I would commend myself to the Holy Father. I would lie down to rest, and I'd wake up in glory. What he was saying was this. If I knew I would die tomorrow night, I wouldn't have to change anything because I'm trying to be faithful to what God has called me to do already, and there's nothing I should do that I'm not doing, so I would just keep doing what I do. Be honest with yourself. Tell the truth. Keep your word. Be who you are. Avoid bad company. Really important. You say, where's that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you where it is. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says it this way. Bad company corrupts good character. A word of advice to those of you who strive for integrity. Stay away from those who are not honest. Don't do business with them. Don't associate with them. Don't make excuses for them. Don't allow yourself to get enticed into believing that while they're dishonest with others, they will never be dishonest with you. If someone is dishonest anywhere, you can be certain he will be dishonest anywhere including your life. Cannot dismiss those little acts of dishonesty, such as the person who takes two newspapers from the stand when they paid only for one. 
I mean, if a person can't be trusted to do the little things honestly, then why in the world would you ever want to get into a long, complex business contract with such a person? So avoid people who want to carry you in the wrong direction. Here's the reason for that. You see, it's important to realize that others pay attention to the people you have chosen to associate with, and they will inevitably judge your character by the character of your friends. Why is that? It's best explained by a quote my father often says when he has reminded me to be careful of the company I am keeping. Here's the quote. When you lie down with dogs, you get fleas. We become more and more like the people we surround ourselves with day to day. If we surround ourselves with people who are dishonest and willing to cut corners to get ahead, we'll surely find ourselves following this pattern, first enduring their behavior, then accepting their behavior, then explaining their behavior, and finally adopting their behavior. If you want to build a reputation as a person of integrity, you need to keep people of integrity around you so you can help each other achieve the goal. Be found faithful. That's the next one. One of the great verses of integrity is 1 Corinthians 4.2. Do you know what that verse says? That verse says, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, we know that verse because it's a stewardship verse, and every year during the stewardship month, we trot this out to remind people that they should be faithful in keeping their commitments to God. But the question in this verse is, how does God determine whether someone is faithful? And the verse answers the question with one word. It says that a steward is found faithful. And that little word found in the translation of the Greek is a word that describes a discovery that is made as the result of careful observation. It tells us that God carefully watches us to see how our actions and reactions play out. He's watching to see how we treat people, how we respond to pressure, and whether or not we have the tenacity to stay on track even when we don't think anybody is watching us. And so I want to encourage you to be found with integrity. That's what the Scripture says. It is required of a steward that he be found faithful. What that means is wherever you are, whatever you're doing, in any situation, be found faithful. Be who you are all the way through and at all times. The next thing I want to say to you is that if you have integrity, you will be tested under fire. Be strong under fire. Do you remember Daniel and his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you remember how they were told that they had to bow down to a Babylonian idol and they wouldn't do it? And Nebuchadnezzar told them that if they didn't do it, they would be thrown into a fiery furnace. And those three boys gave their reply to Nebuchadnezzar in these words. They said, our God will deliver us from your fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, we will not serve your gods or worship your golden image, period. And the three young men refused to compromise even in the face of death because for them their integrity was more important than their life. And you know the story. God saw their integrity and preserved them in a miraculous way through that fire. Or take the life of Joseph, who was a slave and had risen by his unwavering honesty and trustworthiness all the way to the top so that he was now the head steward of the Egyptian official whose name was Potiphar. 
On a day when Potiphar and the household servants were away, Potiphar's wife attempted to seduce Joseph, and Joseph determined to be faithful to his master. I remember in the Scripture in the book of Genesis, he said, how can I do this great wickedness against God and sin against your husband? But the spurned woman accused him of attempted rape, and he was sent to prison, and he was in prison for three years before God elevated him to the position of Egypt's prime minister. His integrity was under attack, and he would not let his standards fail. A judge was campaigning for re-election, and he had a reputation for integrity. He was a distinguished and honorable gentleman of no small charity, and his opponent was conducting a vicious, mud-smearing, unfair campaign against him. Can you believe anything like that would ever happen? <laughs> Somebody approached the judge and asked him, do you know what your opponent is saying about you? Do you know he's criticizing you? How are you going to handle it? What are you going to do about it? And the judge looked at his counselors and his campaign committee and just said, well, when I was a boy, I had me a dog, and every time the moon was full, that hound dog would howl at the moon, and, and we never did sleep very well those nights. He'd just bark and howl at the moon all night, and then the judge stopped speaking. Well, that's beside the point, his campaign manager said. You told us a nice little story about your dog, but what are you going to do about your critic? And the judge said, I just answered you. When the dog barked at the moon, the moon kept right on shining. I don't intend to do anything but keep right on shining, and I'll ignore the criticism as the moon ignored the dog. I'll just keep right on shining quietly, calmly, and beautifully. That's what we have to do. Believe it or not, if you want to walk by integrity, you are going to be criticized. You get criticism. The higher up you go in terms of influence on other people, the more criticism you will get. If you can't deal with it, you won't make it. If you can't accept criticism and get on, and I get these critical letters, I get a lot of them. And I've learned there's a little paradigm that I go through. Number one, I, if I can, if I get to see it, I read it and I ask myself honestly, is any of this true? Do I deserve this criticism? There have been times when I have, and I have to acknowledge it. But I would say that most of the time, these are just angry people who are trying to make you feel as bad as they do. So they write mean stuff, and you have to look at it. Once I realize it's not true, I just let it go. I can't let it get in my spirit. I can't think about it. And I just say, Lord, if there's anything in here that I need to help me know what I need to know, and if it's not true, then I just become the moon. I just keep on shining because that's all you can do. God desires his followers to live with integrity. It's not easy. Living with God-like character, being the same person in private and in public, living out your faith, being true to biblical teaching, it's hard and it's uncomfortable. Choosing to be real, to be honest, and stand with conviction will always be a challenge in a world that accepts and applauds the lack of integrity. Yet integrity impacts and influences those around us, especially our children. Be honest with yourself. Tell the truth. Keep your word. Be who you are. Avoid bad company. Be found faithful. Be strong under fire. Here's the last one. Be accountable to somebody. The author of the book of Hebrews said, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, exhorting one another. Literally, the text says, provoking one another. And in the New Testament, we are taught that the Christian life is about one another. 
It's not lived in silence or in solitary. We need each other, and we kind of grind against each other so that we stay focused and go in the right direction. We need people who will tell us the truth about ourselves. Bill Hybels, as many of you know, is the pastor of the incredible Willow Creek Church back in the Chicago area. In Leadership Magazine, Bill Hybels tells this story about himself. He said, one evening, I stopped by the church just to encourage those who were there rehearsing for the spring musical. I didn't intend to stay very long, so I just parked my car next to the entrance. After a few minutes, I ran back to my car and drove home. And the next morning, I found a note in my office mailbox, and it read, a small thing, but Tuesday night when you came to rehearsal, you parked in the no parking area. A reaction from one of my crew who did not recognize you until after you got out of the car was, there's another jerk parking in the no parking area. (laughs) He said, we try hard not to allow people, even workers, to park anywhere other than the parking lot, and I would appreciate your cooperation. It was signed by a member of our maintenance staff. Bill Hybels, with a smile on his face, said, I'm sorry to report this staff member is no longer with us. He was late coming back for lunch the next day, and we had to let him go. You have to draw the line somewhere. Of course, he was kidding. That didn't happen. He didn't let him go. In fact, he said he was right on the mark. As I drove up that night, I had this thought. I shouldn't park here, but after all, I'm the pastor. That translates into, I'm an exception to the rules. But that employee wouldn't allow me to sneak down the road labeled, I'm an exception. I'm not the exception to church rules, nor am I the exception to sexual rules or financial rules or any of God's rules. As a leader, I'm not the exception. I'm supposed to be the example. According to Scripture, I am to live in such a way that I can say, follow me, park where I park, and live like I live. That's why we all need people like my staff member to hold us accountable, even the small matters, because when we keep the minor matters in line, we usually don't stumble over the larger ones. Just when I was starting to think I'm an exception, somebody on our staff cared enough to say, don't do it, Bill, not even in one small area. So there you have these thoughts about how we develop integrity in our lives. And it's convicting to all of us, from the preacher right down to the person sitting in the last row. We all have areas that when we shine the light of integrity over our lives, we say, yeah, no, I need to work on that one. And sometimes we have godly wives or husbands who help us understand where those areas are. Honey, you said this, but then you did this, and Johnny watched. So... One of the things about these lessons I hope is true for you as it has been for me. When I get done studying all this and bringing all this to you, I just have this spirit in my heart that comes out of the words, I want to get better. There's not anything wrong with that. God wants us to get better. And we need to have a desire to look at these things and look at our lives and measure our lives against the ruler of God's word and say, here's where I can work on that. And sometimes we hear stuff we never even thought about before, and it awakens in us a new sense of desire get to that place where we have this life that's beyond amazing. Several years ago, a group of salesmen were leaving a Chicago convention, and they were late getting to O'Hare for their flight home. As they rushed into the terminal, they heard the last call for their flight, so they began to run through the busy airport, dodging and weaving through the crowd, 
and their carry-on luggage careening behind them. Two of the men crashed into a table that was stacked with beautiful gift baskets of apples, overturning the table. Apples bounced and rolled everywhere, but the men just kept running. They reached their gate just as it was closing, and they managed to get on the jetway and get on the plane, all except for one man. You see, he stopped and told his buddies to go on, that he would catch a later flight. Conscience-stricken by his selfish lapse of integrity, he turned back to the site of the accident, and he found the young girl who operated the apple stand on her knees and in tears. Groping about for the scattered apples and baskets, he realized when he got nearer that she was blind. The brisk stream of passengers ignored her plight, rushing on by and occasionally kicking aside a stray apple. The salesman got on his knees beside the girl and gathered up the apples and the baskets and helped her set up the display again. And some of the baskets were damaged and many of the apples were bruised and a few of them were missing. So he opened his wallet and placed three large bills in the girl's hand. Here he said, take this. It will more than cover the cost of the damage. I am so sorry we messed up your day. Are you okay? She nodded her thanks through her tears, and he turned back to the lobby to arrange a new flight home. But he had not walked very far before the little girl called out, Mister? Mister? And he paused and turned around, and she said, Are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? No one could ever receive a greater compliment than to be mistaken for Jesus. And when I read that, I think that's a pretty high goal, and yet I want to remind you that we all are Jesus. We are the only Jesus the world we live in will ever see in the flesh. Jesus, who lives within us, embodies us, and we are the hands of Jesus, and we are the feet of Jesus, and we are the words of Jesus, and we are the love of Jesus to the people around us. And the integrity that we have as we walk with the Lord will help us to be that so that when people see us, when that little girl saw what this young man did, she realized that was totally unlikely to have happened from a normal human. It wasn't human character. It was superhuman character. And the world is looking for that. And we are the answer as God's people. When we come to the place where we're living this life that's beyond amazing, we'll be making an impact in the world like that young man did that day. We are all capable of doing that if we walk with God. So I challenge you today, join your pastor in the quest for integrity. Let's do our best to be the people of God who are genuine, not fake, not posturing, not learning Christianese and living like Christ on Sunday and like everything else the rest of the week. God is looking for some real, genuine articles, and we can be that by His grace. Amen? Amen. Well, tomorrow uh, we're going to talk about a life of humility, and everybody knows that that is a quality that is wonderfully presented in the Bible, but also Someone once said you can't write about it because if you write about it, it sounds like you have it and then you don't. <laughs> I remember hearing about a man who wrote a book called The Ten Most Humble Men in the World and How I Chose the Other Nine. Uh, we kind of smile when we say that because humility is that elusive thing that is evident when you see it in others and it's what you want to have in your own life. I remember hearing someone say that if you stay humble and hungry, 
you can get anything in your life that God wants you to have. So we're going to talk about humility tomorrow and the next day. And then we'll have uh, the beginning of our Thanksgiving celebration on Thursday. I have a very important announcement to share with you. I hope you won't miss that day, Thanksgiving Day. We have a wonderful uh, schedule for the rest of this month. And as we move into the Christmas programming, every day is a special day here on Turning Point. And we thank you so much for being a part of our our fellowship, our, our following, you know, being a part of what we do here with you and the many others who share with us. We're able to do so much more than we could ever do alone. So thank you for being a part of what God is doing through this ministry. And don't forget your copy of Why the Nativity, the beautiful, newly uh, produced book with 25 questions and answers about Christmas is available for a gift of any size. When you send your gift, please ask for your copy. I have a I have a copy of that book here. It's beautifully designed with pictures of Mary and Joseph, who are part of the cast of the movie, on the front, and all of the information inside, along with many pictures of things that happened during the time we were filming this. We want you to have that. It's yours for just a gift of any size and your request. Send your gift and then say, please send me the Why the Nativity book. And we'll do it. We'll see you next time right here on this good station. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If God is ministering to you through Turning Point, will you let us know? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098. Delta BC V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Fill your Christmas with meaning and joy with your copies of David's book and new docudrama DVD, Why the Nativity. Each is available for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International and New King James Versions. Available in your choice of cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, A Life Beyond Amazing, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. Karl Marx, the 19th century atheist founder of socialism, had a daughter named Anna who once saw a copy of the Lord's Prayer. She had never seen it, nor did she know its origin. But she said regarding the God to whom the Lord's Prayer is addressed, If there is a God like that, 
I could believe in him. The prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray is a model prayer. It addresses God's holiness, power, goodness, provision, forgiveness, and protection. If you find yourself in need of a prayer to pray, use the Lord's Prayer. It's why our Lord gave it, so we would pray it. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's Prayer on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.